for tuning in to the Glossy Podcast. I'm your host, Jill Manoff, and today I sit down with Sam Koo, President and Creative Director of AG Jeans. Across the industry, denim brands are cleaning up their act, and AG is among those that have made big strides in sustainability. I wanted to ask Sam about the competition to get ahead on that front, and also about AG's Secrets to Longevity. The brand recently celebrated 20 years in business. Welcome, Sam. Thank you, Jill. Great to be here. Great to have you. 20 years. That's amazing. Congrats. What did you do to kind of celebrate this in a big way this year? Thanks, Jill. Yeah, 20 years uh, has been pretty incredible. We're, we're, we're lucky to have been around for so long. Um, we've done a number of things to celebrate it. Uh, gosh, one of the things we launched, which I think is one of the most exciting things we've done in a while, is called the Gene of Tomorrow. So the concept behind it was how do we create the most sustainable gene we've ever made? And the idea, um, we decided to create a gene that was 100% biodegradable. And uh, oh, wow. a lot of people ask, oh, aren't cotton genes all biodegradable? And actually the answer is no. So most genes have a metal button, maybe buttons in the fly, or maybe a metal zipper. They're also stitched with polyester or polycotton thread, which polyester also is not, not biodegradable. And... Um, so those are the challenges that we had. Uh, we started with a fabric that was made from a blend of cotton, tencel, and hemp. Um, and tencel is a, uh, both tencel and hemp are very uh, sustainable, very eco-friendly fibers. Uh, tencel takes about ten times less water than traditional cotton uh, takes to uh, to create. And hemp is also very, very uh, eco-friendly as well. Um, and we, uh, the, the zipper and button problem that we had that were metal and not biodegradable, we decided, we found a, uh, what they call a corrosive button. It's made from a, uh, uh, a corrosive nut. So coming from nature, it is hundred percent biodegradable as well. Amazing. What does it take to launch something like this? Has this been years in the making? Do you have some innovation lab that's constantly uh, churning out, uh, new ideas in the sustainability space? Well, uh, we kind of have it all done through our design team. Our design team kind of does a little bit of everything, probably does a little bit more than most design team does, uh, or most design teams do, I should say. Um, we're always constantly researching. Uh, we're always constantly seeing what's going on the market, going on in the market currently. And we're in very close contact with, uh, our best suppliers. And they're always kind of on the cutting edge of, uh, of new technology and new, you know, processes that are not only great looking, but also eco-friendly as well. That's, that's been a huge, um, passion and a huge, um, focus for, for not only us, but for the industry as a whole, actually. Yeah. So is it, are we past the point where it's kind of the more sustainability, sustainable a product, uh, kind of the more expensive it is. You keep adding dollars to it because there's more that goes into it. Um, and is the consumer uh, willing to pay that? That's a really good question because for many, many years, I think the biggest challenge was getting our consumer to care enough to actually pay more for those products. Um, I think finally in the last, you know, 12 to 24 months, we're finding that customers are caring more than ever and they are kind of, I guess, you know, for lack of a better term, putting their money where their mouth is. Um, they've decided that, yes, I am willing to pay a little bit more for something that is uh, better for the planet. And I am 
willing to buy a little bit less and buy better quality and make it last longer. How great. That's awesome. Tell me about this business. For those who don't know AG, this is a family business. Uh, AG stands for Adriano Adriano Goldschmidt. I think I'm mispronouncing it, but um, who is no longer affiliated with the brand. Walk us through it. Correct. You've nailed it with the pronunciation. Um, Well, so basically the way that the company was, uh, the AG brand was started was it was a partnership between uh, our company or my father's company and Adriano Goldschmidt, who is a longtime designer in the denim industry. Um, So they decided to partner around the year 2000 and uh, launched the brand AG in 2001, actually September of 2001. Which, as you, you know, everyone knows, is also uh, the the month that nine eleven happened. So it was a very challenging time to launch a brand. Uh, however, uh, they had a fairly good launch, and a couple years into it, that a, a growing business. However, um, at some point, Adriano kind of, I think he maybe tired of working on AG and maybe had a, a passion to start something else. So uh, the two companies decided to part. Uh, the two parties decided to part ways, and. Uh, our company decided to buy out Adriano's shares of the uh, of the brand AG. So now our company uh, owns the AG brand uh, outright since about 2004, actually. Pretty early on. And you're producing denim. You're located in LA. Uh, what's the company? Is everything, I guess, vertically integrated? Everything's happening in LA? Or how would you describe that breakdown? So actually, we have... Uh, two places where we um, where we operate and we manufacture. Um, in LA, we have all of our design. We have a lot of product development where we create the samples and, you know, create the new washes and new fits and things like that. And we have all of our operations here in LA. However, uh, most of the manufacturing is done in our Mexico fl- uh, plant. This Mexico facility is 100% owned and operated by us as well and um, is pretty much a direct carbon copy of the factory that we used to have here. So we used to, uh, our company used to manufacture in LA for, shoot, I want to say 40, about nearly 40 years. Um, But just recently during the pandemic and due to um, many, many, many factors that make it very difficult to uh, have a factory and and produce clothing in LA um, made us unfortunately have to uh, um, rely on our Mexico plant 100%. However, our Mexico plant, uh, again, owned and operated by us, uh, makes fantastic product. Let's dig into that a little bit. So um, the the challenges you experienced in the last 18 months, what did you learn in terms of production? Um, will will your production stick in Mexico? Are you Is there a need to differentiate in terms of, uh, yeah, your suppliers and to ensure you're always able to get your, your clothes to you? Uh, what did you learn? Gosh, uh, I think we learned a lot. I mean, I think first and foremost, um, you kind of learn how resilient we are as 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 a as a species, sort of. You know, like <laughs> I, when the when the pandemic first happened, first started, I think. Uh, I mean, I was kind of freaked out. I was like, "Oh my god, what's going to happen? Like, how high is unemployment going to get? Uh, are people going to care about clothing? What is going to happen?" Right. How long is this going to happen for, you know? And fortunately, um, you know, the first few months were very difficult because I think everyone was like freaked out. Everyone's staying home. Everyone's being super conservative. Um, You know, obviously no one's buying things that they felt like they didn't quote unquote need. Um, However, 
as time went on and people started getting more comfortable and um, some people started working again and, you know, the economy started picking up again, um, you know, you saw that people were able to figure things out and to be able to kind of bounce back, you know. So I know that's kind of a broad um, learning, but uh, I think that's a kind of the biggest thing that sticks to my to my mind. Um, yeah. I guess from a from a fashion brand product standpoint, I think the most important thing is uh, that you realize that building a brand based on great product is the most important thing. At the end of the day, when times are great and everyone's got a lot of money to spend, woohoo, like great, everyone's buying a bunch of stuff. Um, that's, you know, one kind of um, phase. And maybe that that's a phase that we we're in prior to the pandemic. But once you're in pandemic and you kind of have to like pare down the things that you're buying, you're going to go to the things that really have the best quality and best design. And I think that's what our brand does well. I'm hearing that time and time again. It's almost, I don't want to be insensitive, but survival of the fittest and you have the product or you don't. Absolutely. Absolutely. So when it comes to materials and making your jeans, well, throughout your supply chain, are you one of the lucky ones where you're not experiencing shortages and you're not experiencing delays? Or um, what's your experience currently with the supply chain? Supply chain issues have been pretty crazy and um, they are affecting us a little bit too. Uh, we are one of the lucky ones where we have a very good flow of uh, raw materials. Um, we have a large warehouse. We're able to stock a lot of our raw materials that we consistently use. However, those, you know, we don't carry, you know, 18 months supply on a fabric. We do flow them in and we do multiple purchase orders, um, you know, per year on those qualities. So we're feeling it a little bit, but it just means that we have to plan a little bit more in advance. That being said, there are certain qualities of fabric that all of a sudden become hot and um, those are hard to keep up with. Um, And so we are seeing challenges on a few qualities, but overall we're able to develop, I mean, not develop, deliver um, most everything on time. But it's it's crazy. Like uh, once in a while we might have to air freight some fabric and the air freight fee, uh, I've seen invoices where the air freight cost is... Uh, is more than the fabric cost, which oh, is for crying out loud. Crazy. Yeah. Are you passing those costs onto the the customer now or not yet? Uh, I think we will start to see a little bit of the passing of the, um, the cost to the consumer. Uh, and I think that's something that a lot of brands and everyone's talking about. It's inevitable, uh, unfortunately, but with, you know, inflation, I, I've seen reports where inflation has risen, I don't know, 5% in the last eight, 10 months, something like that. Um, and I've also uh, seen the rising costs of transportation, the rising costs of all materials, how hard it is to get any kind of material, you know, like how hard it is to get a container to be able to put on a ship. I hear the cost of the metal containers have gone up four or five X, something like that. Um, so there's just no way that um, with all these factors that, that um, brands and retailers are going to be able to uh, keep these um, prices the same, unfortunately. But um, our our goal is to continue to, to provide great design, great quality, still at a great value. How far in advance are you planning right now? Oh, boy. Uh, so right now, our design team is working on, let's see, we're working on Fall 22, which delivers in August, September, October. And we're just about to start concept for holiday. 
So we're working quite a ways ahead, about, I, I guess you could say one year ahead, pretty much. Yeah. Wow. We. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, I know. We're trying to predict, uh, Jill, what you want to wear 12 months from now. <laughs> I don't even know what I want to wear tomorrow. <laughs> um, Me too. We're cut out for you. <laughs> um, so when you started 20 years ago, I would assume you were heavily reliant on wholesale partners. How has the business model, uh, I guess, transformed um, from DTC uh, compared to wholesale? Yeah, correct. When when we launched the AG brand, it was all wholesale. Um, and we had a good mix of department store and specialty. Um, I believe in early, I think it was 2003 or four, we were uh, one of the first uh, mono brand shops or, or branded shops, I guess you could say, to open on Robertson Boulevard. You know, that was at a time when like stores like Lisa Klein and Kitson and all these other great, uh, Madison, I believe was there, all these other great multi-brand retailers were doing great on the street. And, you know, like I, I'm sure you remember Paris Hilton and all these girls shopping in these stores in Brittany and, you know, and then everyone has lunch at the Ivy, et cetera. It feels like an eternity ago, doesn't it? I mean, I, I wanted to be those girls. That is, you're speaking my language. That is fun. <laughs> That's so fun. Anyway, go ahead. That's true. Those were the fun days. So anyways, uh, <laughs> that was our first store. And our next store, we opened one up in Soho on Green Street, New York. Um, and wow. so we started to do some business, I guess you could call it direct-to-consumer, as a lot of people call it today. Um, since then, you know, that retail uh, footprint has continued to grow. Uh, we operate a good handful of stores. Uh, gosh, I want to say uh, nearly a dozen full retail stores and about half of that quantity in um, in outlet stores. And of course, like every brand, we also operate our own e-commerce store. So that direct-to-consumer business is also a very important part of our business as well. As you've seen that grow um, as retailers multi-brand retailers, department stores have had their their problems in the last year and a half and people have maybe come to you directly. Uh, have you seen the value in that? Are you, are you looking to build up that business, that direct business? We do want to continue to build that up. We have a pretty good, we're happy with the number of stores we have. You know, we may add a couple here and there, but we're not looking to double our store count or anything like that in the next five years. Um, we want to grow that organically. There still are a couple of pockets of... Uh, you know, retail locations that we're really thinking about and very interested in. Um, however, again, like we don't see us uh, trying to grow our brick and mortar too much. Um, e-com obviously is a different story. Like every brand, AG's e-coms, uh, e-com business has done quite well in the last few years and continues to grow year over year. Um, it's a wonderful way to be able to communicate to our customer um, because we get to control that message. And, um, you know, I think the the most highly engaged customers are going to come see you in a retail store or, uh, you know, visiting our e-com and joining our email list and things like that. Um, so it, it continues to be a very important part of our business. We love our wholesale partners as well. Um, that's another great way to keep AG top of mind um, to all of our customers and keeping AG relevant. It's not something it's, uh, you know, wholesale is not something we're run, looking to run away from. It's something that is continuing to to be very important for us too. Yeah. Who makes a fitting wholesale partner? Is it department stores, like I mentioned? Uh, gosh, they run the gamut. Um, there are, I mean, we love all our partners, but there are some that are better than others. What makes a great partner? Um, 
I think communi- like like any relationship, communication is key. Um, like, you know, if 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 we got a great relationship with them and we're talking about what product works, they're sharing, selling with us. So we know, hey, their customer likes X, Y, and Z, but they don't like ABC. That gives us more information in terms of what we want to offer them for the next season, you know? And um, I know that sounds so obvious, but you'd be surprised. Um, some retailers don't like to share a lot of information, even if it's the selling for your own brand. And I, I think it's kind of to a detriment. Um, it's, it's definitely, um, yeah, the sharing of the information I think is the, the biggest key to, um, to success with the wholesale partner. Yeah. Well, based on the data that you do have and that you're receiving through your own channels, what do you know about your customer? Ooh, um, let's see. I think our customer, our customer tends to be a very brand loyal person. You know, we have a lot of customers that have been, you know, fans of the brand for a really long time. Our customer understands uh, what good fit is, what good quality is. Our customer is not the girl that co- goes out and is like, I have to have, you know, ABC it brand. Like I have to have it. She tries it on and it doesn't fit her great. It's not, you know, the best looking thing on her body, but she buys it anyway. Like that's not our customer. Like our customer knows what she wants and she knows what makes her look and feel great. Um, and he knows what he wants as well, obviously. Um, and I think he and she just loves our fit and quality. So I think it's someone that's a little bit more sophisticated. Uh, it's not someone that's like always looking for brand hype or what's the newest brand or whatnot. Um, yeah, so that's that's kind of who he and she is. Yeah, well, that answers one of my questions. I was going to ask you, maybe are they also style loyal? Because, gosh, I'm hearing time and time again about this shift away from skinny jeans, and I don't know what to make of it. <laughs> for are you, sure. Are you... Yeah. Are you guys moving away from skinny jeans or no? That's here to stay. That's a really good question. Um, If you talk about like what are like the hottest jeans and what everyone's looking for, yes, they're not skinny jeans. However, we still do a pretty significant business in skinny jeans. Um, I just think that it's the really young crowd that thinks skinny jeans is really uncool. But, you know, someone that might be a, a you know, a Gen Xer as myself, like, I think they still can wear their skinny jeans and make it look right, you know? Um, so as you know, everything comes in cycles and, you know, the skinny jeans been around for so long and I, I've been worried for, not worried, I've been wondering for a long time if and when it would ever go away. I don't think it's ever going to go away, but I think it just might be uh, kind of dormant for a little bit, but I don't think they're going to be like out and really not fashion appropriate. I, I, I still think, I, I think your skinny jeans are safe and should still hold a place in your closet. We'll be right back after this quick break. How are you reaching the customer, acquiring new customers? Uh, you mentioned this kind of young, trendy, cool, cool shopper. Um, but yeah, what, what channels are you focusing on in terms of marketing? Acquiring new customers is a very difficult and expensive task. Um, I think we do a, currently we do a really good job of retaining the customers that we have as well as acquiring the customers that are already kind of somewhat familiar with AG. Um, and we do that with pretty traditional methods from a digital perspective. So from a digital perspective, you know, we, um, we advertise with Google, uh, keywords and branded terms, things like that, and Facebook, Instagram advertisement, things like that. And that they are very effective for us. Um, it's kind of a testament to the strength of the brand. 
Um, you know, in the past, we've done a lot of print advertisement with the likes of, you know, all the best fashion publications. And we've also done pretty extensive uh, programs with out-of-home uh, advertising. So billboards in LA, billboards in New York City, things like that. All pretty traditional stuff. Um, we are kind of, I would say a little bit light from an influencer marketing perspective. And I know that's how a lot of newer brands have grown. Um, 2022, we actually are looking to double our marketing budget and we're making a big push to, um, to create more buzz around the brand. Obviously the brand is pretty well known in its category and, um, you know, established, as we mentioned, we've been around for 20 years and we're, we're still here and still relevant, but, um, we, we are, we're planning a big push. So there are some things in that marketing plan that are things that we haven't done before. Um, so a lot of them might be, you know, more forward things and more digital based things. There are some old school things and different creative marketing things that we're going to do that are not necessarily digitally native. Um, so it's going to be, a, okay. it's, I mean, doubling the budget is quite significant. So it's going to kind of run the gamut in terms of what we do. Is TikTok in that mix? At the moment, well, I shouldn't say, I shouldn't say no. Um, you know, as we mentioned from a, from an influencer perspective, like we haven't been super aggressive, but we are looking to be more aggressive in that world next year. So that actually could, that actually could, uh, entail working with some, um, TikTok personalities or influencers. Um, I think most of our customers are a little bit more, uh, I don't know, maybe Instagram's a little bit more his or her world, but Certainly yeah. some of our customers are on TikTok as well. I mean, TikTok's different and it's fun. Um, it's a different experience than, than, um, than Instagram. So we're not, we're not going to say no to that, but, um, I would say probably Instagram is going to be a bigger focus and TikTok would be uh, a little bit behind that. Yes. What's affording this big marketing spend? Um, are you guys doing any fundraising or what's happening there? So no, it, the company's still 100% privately owned. Uh, there are no, there's no private equity. There's no private uh, money that was infused or anything like that. It's 100% still owned by my father, which is a huge um, advantage for us as a brand. You know, there's no shareholders that we have to uh, report to. And, you know, uh, that we don't have to make decisions that, that, might be detrimental that some partner that doesn't really understand our business wants to do, you know? Um, yep. so do you, going back to your question, which is, um, you know, kind of what prompted this or what's our goal with this, we've been quite quiet during the pandemic from a marketing standpoint, and we are looking to, we see, we see an opportunity and we're looking to seize an opportunity. Um, the brand has been very profitable, has done very well for quite some time, and we're well positioned to come out of this. And um, we want to kind of reestablish that and kind of um, make, I don't know, just just make the brand top of mind when it comes to like quality denim. That's really yeah. it, you know, just to keep the totally. brand top of mind. Well, in terms of keeping your current customers who are already so loyal, um, is there like a loyalty program? Is it just about doing things to, I guess, fuel the community, whether it's, I don't know, meetups, Facebook groups? What are you doing to kind of keep them engaged? Uh, let's see. Well, yes, as you mentioned, we do have a very loyal community and very loyal following. I think our retail stores do a very good job of making those um, loyal customers feel 
loved and feel important. Um, they do a really good job of um, continuing to reach out when there's new product or there's something that that um, they think that their clients might like. Um, so from a old school one-on-one, like take care of your customer perspective, our retail stores are very good at that. Um, from a, you mentioned Facebook groups and things like that. We haven't really done, we haven't really done much like that, but in terms of retaining our customer online, of course we do a really good job of, um, capturing what we do for new product on emails and things like that. And, you know, our homepages are frequently, you know, updated and, you know, our graphic designers and, you know, the creative team and the, and the, the merchandising team for our e-com group, they do a really good job of like um, showcasing all the new stuff, you know? And I, th- I think that's the most important thing just to continue to communicate well to your customer, what it is what we're doing, what it is like, what the product is that we're launching. Sure. You can just, post something, you can put your product up on a web page, and, you know, it lives there. But I think a really good e-com retailer has to di- really tell the story, you know, as, as a uh, cliche as that sounds. Yeah. What's the balance there, I guess, in terms of across marketing, including on the website, um, in terms of the information that they want on each product versus just pretty imagery? Do they want to know every tidbit about sustainability? And, and um, yes, how, how this is a good buy in terms of they can feel good about it. Um, yeah. What do they want to know? What's the balance? I think it runs the gamut. You got, you got your customer, the, your girl or guy that like looks at a product and they're like, oh, that fits cute. That's going to make my butt look cute. Whatever it is, you know, like I love that cut. You know, I love the way that jacket fits or whatever it is. Um, and then there are customers that are a little more uh, eco conscious. And we get a lot of comments about all of our, you know, sustainability efforts and, that's for them. That's kind of a cherry on top. They love the product already. And they also love that we care about, you know, the environment. So that's a, it's a gosh. I mean, it's tough to say because it really runs that wide of a gamut. That makes sense. Your e-commerce site, uh, you, did you put, did you have to invest in it in the last year and a half in terms of adding uh, bells and whistles like, like virtual stylists or virtual try on? Or did you go down that road like a lot of brands did? We're not there yet. We're definitely continuing to invest, and a lot of that investment currently is in personnel. Um, we we continue to look at some um, some technology things. You know, we want to. We're working on some things that may automate. Um, you know, there's okay. So one of the biggest things is people emailing customer service. Hey, where's my order? Or hey, where's this? Or hey, can you give me more information about that uh, that product? Um, so those kinds of things, we want to be able to answer them quicker. So we already do answer them on a pretty timely basis, but um, we're looking at um, technology, how technology can help us uh, uh, solve problems faster for one. Um, We're also, there's also just little things where, um, gosh, uh, some things that we talked about are product reviews. Um, So that's something we're going to test pretty soon. Um, From a technology perspective, from like a virtual fitting kind of stuff, we haven't really We've looked at them, but we've not quite considered them yet. Um, I, th- I think what we do is we rely on great pictures, uh, pictures that accurately portray exactly what you're going to get, um, as well as um, let our customer know what those uh, main measurements are. Um, and also just letting your customer know, hey, this model is this tall and um, has, you know, 
this size waist or what whatnot. Um, that seems to be a very effective way of um, of letting our customer know what product it is they're ordering. Um, and our website actually this year, um, the last twelve months, our returns have been at twenty percent, which is incredibly low and a lot lower than the uh, the industry standard. So. You know, it's a really old school way and simple way of us like letting our customer know what it's about without doing like the virtual fitting on all that, um, all that kind of thing. Not that I'm poo-pooing that, but I just don't think, I just don't think that that's right for us yet. And, um, the proof is that what we're doing has been so incredibly effective by, you know, having incredibly low return rates. For sure. Well, what's been your, I guess, strategy for growth? Uh, has it meant category expansion? Uh, I know that, you know, a majority of your your products are denim jeans, but that you do, you know, tees and other styles. Um, talk to me about that. Is it about category expansion? Is it about market expansion? Uh, looking internationally? Where are you looking? I think one of the biggest pushes we made recently is from a category standpoint. Um, we have always produced sportswear, but we wanted to really perfect uh, knits, like cut and sew knits, t-shirts and sweatshirts and things like that. Um, And we decided to take it from a ground up approach. And what I mean by that is uh, one of the things that differentiates AG from our competition is that we own the factory, uh, we own the entire manufacturing process. Uh, Most of our competitors, um, they have to uh, outsource their production to a cutting factory who cuts the fabric pieces out and then it, and then they send it to a sewing factory and they sew it together and then they send it to a different wash house and that goes to a different finish house. So the product changes hands at least four times. Ours is through a factory that we own hundred percent and we do it all in one building. So as you can probably imagine the, from a quality control perspective, um, it's a far superior process and we're, we're very lucky to have that. Um, as we built that denim business in that fashion, um, we wanted to build our knits business in the same way. So the company has actually, uh, invested a a large sum of money to develop a manufacturing process in our factory for those t-shirts as well. So what we do is we find the, we find Supima blended yarns, and then we have these knitting machines, um, these really beautiful, uh, I believe they're German knitting machines that, that knit the fabric. And so we knit the fabric, we cut and sew it, we dye it, we do all of it in-house. And um, we've launched a program that we're calling AG Basic Essentials. And they're kind of like every basic knit that you that a girl or a guy would need in their closet in some really great colors, um, kind of seasonless, um, beautiful colors that you you can kind of interchange at any time. And so we're, we, la- we kind of had, uh, we built a sort of a basis or a foundation for that knit business with that. Um, another thing that we're looking to launch is aged tea. So aged denim is something that AG is known for. That means that we we designate like, okay, this is kind of like a jean that looks like it's five years worn by somebody. And we replicate that process. We create 3D whiskers. It's like the most vintage process we do. And we're going to actually do that process for our teas now. And so we're launching that um Gosh, I think late summer next year, it's going to be tees that are very lived in. Imagine your favorite t-shirt worn and washed 50 times, 100 times. You know, it's just starting to fray. It has a lot of highs and lows and looks really lived in. And we're really excited about that because I definitely feel like that's like a, a white space currently. 
Yes, please. That sounds great. I know there was a Terry collection happening. Was this kind of your, I guess, answer to the sweatpants boom? Yeah, we, we definitely had sweatpants during the sweatpants boom. We, we didn't do a huge collection of them. It was always in the collection. Um, but what we're looking to do is dress up the sweatpants a little bit. Um, we definitely think that the sweatpants are not like going to disappear anytime soon. But I think if you're going to wear them, why don't you do it in a way that looks a little bit put together and something that you can actually kind of dress up and maybe even wear to dinner. That's kind of our take on it. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. You've done collaborations in the past. I don't know how long ago there was like an Alexa Chung collab. Um, but yeah, is that part of your, I guess, marketing mix as well? Uh, and do those types of, I guess, influencers uh, work to sell product? Uh, yeah. So you kind of hit the nail on the head there as we talked about, you know, doubling up a marketing budget and, you know, putting our brand out there. Um, working on a collaboration is definitely in the plans. We're actually very early in the process. We're looking to start to have conversations with either the right people or the right brands or whatnot and uh, solidify a partnership and probably launch 2023. I know that sounds like forever from now, but uh, <laughs> the way the calendar goes, like it's going to be right around the corner for us. But um, yes, we are looking to do a collaboration. And yes, we did do a Alexa Chung collaboration in 2015. Um, wow. And that, yeah. And it was, it was super, I don't know. It was, it was amazing. Um, Alexa was a wonderful partner. Um, she was all in. She was extremely devoted. She's a wonderful designer. Um, she went above and beyond what was required of her and she really put her heart and soul into it. And, and it showed, uh, in, it showed in the collection and it showed in the success of the collection as well. I, I want to say to date, it's probably the most successful, you know, premium denim collaboration all time, to be honest. Wow. Um, yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah, we're super happy about that. Uh, and we want to do something just as meaningful uh, in the years to come. Um, oh, that, that, that collaboration helped us uh, put AG out there. It helped us get um, the AG brand in front of, you know, Alexa's following and we're able to, you know, introduce the brand to some new customers that, that previously might've overlooked us. So it was, it was a wonderful collaboration and a huge success. For sure. Well, it stuck out in my mind and I love, Hey, I love all this early scoop. Thanks, Sam. <laughs> hey, you heard it here first. This is nice. Um, gosh, I guess to wrap it up, um, to end 2021, what would make this year a success? What are your goals for the year? Oh, let's see. It's been such a interesting and tough year at times. Gosh, I would say to wrap this year up and make it successful, I definitely think continuing to deliver the right product on time is going to be huge. Um, the brands that can do that right now will win. There are just so many um, issues with materials and, you know, transport and all that stuff. And again, um, it's kind of been a nightmare for all manufacturers in so many ways. I'm sure everyone that you talk to, it's the same story. You know, I've got friends in other industries. A, a friend of mine has a direct-to-consumer uh, golf equipment company, and he's telling me how hard it is to get his stuff, you know, um, and the transportation costs and materials and everything. It's, it's, uh, it's just never ending at the moment. Um, so hopefully we can all kind of like get through that. And if we can get through that and deliver the product that we're booking, I think that's a success. Um, 
And I think then in 2022, hopefully some of those problems start going away. And that's when we can really step on the gas and really, um, you know, be aggressive again and start, start to grow again. Are you guys above your 2019 numbers right now? We are above 2020. Uh, we are probably not quite, tw- oh, I don't have to look at it again, but I think our goal, it's, it's a possibility to hit 2019 numbers. So we are okay. having a nice, we are having a nice bounce back here. We're definitely seeing a lot of traction at retail again. There were some months, um, early, you know, early pandemic and even early this year where places like LA, New York, San Francisco, retail numbers are very, very bad. Um, but yes. we've seen in the past couple of months, people are back out shopping again. You know, there is a little bit of local, to- local tourism happening, a tiny bit of international tourism happening. Um, and you know, people, you know, you, people can't be shut in their homes forever. You know, they, they're, they're dying to get out. And, um, it's, it's been great to see those retail numbers, uh, climbing again. Ah, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. I think, I hope. <laughs> I think oh so. Gosh. Sam, this was so fun. Thank you for being my guest today. Thanks so much. It was a pleasure. I enjoyed it. That's all for this episode. Our theme music is by Otis McDonald. Be sure to give us a rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to The Glossy Podcast. See you next week.